0: Hey, yo, what it is, man? My name is Chris Stiles, the host of Trappin' Anonymous, and this is OPP, Other People's Podcast.
1: Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of Other People's Podcast, a show that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Today's special guest is Chris Stiles, host of the amazing podcast, Trappin' Anonymous. In each episode of Trappin' Anonymous, Chris anonymously interviews people about the things they have experienced while getting money illegally. With the consent of each guest confidentially agreeing to tell their stories, Chris does an amazing job of playing the streets' investigative reporter and gives his guests the opportunity to school his listeners on the illegal underworld of society. Chris is compelling... And I'm excited for you to learn more about him and his amazing show, Trappin' Anonymous. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to Chris Stiles.
0: What up, Chris? How you doing, dog? What's good? What's good, man? Chris Styles, I'm in the building. Traveling anonymous, Duce Palooza, the young god, the young king. I'm in the building, <laughs> young viral. Let's do it. What's up, dude? It's good having you here today, bro. We're not here by mistake. We here by design. Hello, hello.
1: I knew this was gonna be a great interview when you say there gonna be food and drink. Yeah,
0: man. <laughs> you ain't got no food, but you got the drink, so we are gonna make what? it happen. You got snacks. <laughs> snacks. There was some cereal in there. Yeah, stealing the office shit. You know, I've never can I had... curse? You like cursing oh, yeah. yeah. You can curse. Yeah. Okay. Be yourself. Okay. Good. <laughs> I was hoping you say that.
1: I've never had Doucet before.
0: Well, now we about to crack this. up. I well, will let you do the honest. Oh crack that my lord! So tell me about Doucet. It's a finer cognac, man. It's just smoother to me. Like the taste is just like you don't get that hard feeling after you taste it. But I think it's just a smoother cognac. You know, it's a little bit more expensive, but you know, you get what you pay for.
1: Yeah, I was like, okay, uh, he wants to do say, oh, we can make this happen. <laughs>
0: yeah, <that's laughs>
1: this is how I prefer to do an interview is over okay. a drink. Do you know the, the story of Cognac? No, you're going to tell me. And particularly with Hennessy and why in hip-hop culture Cognac is so popular. And the reason why is because in World War II, World War II there was a group of fighter pilots called uh, the Red Tails. Okay. The Red Tails with the Tuskegee Airmen. So they all go over to France, right? And When they go over to France, a lot of the alcoholic beverages at the time were catered to white people in America, right? Jim Beam, right? Uh, uh, Jack Daniels, right? Right, and they would never publicize and try to market their product to black people. So
0: when these fighter pilots go over to France, Jack Daniel's is actually made by a black guy. But really, the black guy, the slave, yeah. that is responsible for you know Jack. I forget. This is in Lynchburg, uh, Virginia. Yeah, Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm from VA. Okay, yeah, so you already know, and he stole. The product from, you know, that's wow. what the slaves was drinking. The guy was like, oh, this is amazing. He stole it and put his name on it. Wow.
1: Well, you know, we're all learning something today. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Finish the story. But, I mean, the main main thing is that when the French people realized that there was these a group of people from America who loved the product, Hennessy, they had no problem marketing it to America. So, I don't believe Hennessy is really sold anywhere else in the world besides America. And it was specifically catered to African-Americans. So. No. they the Chinese are the biggest consumer of that, cognac. Yeah. Well, China's the biggest consumer of everything. <laughs> like, they, they have like two-thirds of the world population. They drink the most the most of the other brain. I have to investigate this, but I, I do think because of maybe hip-hop
0: culture, the Chinese have picked up on it, almost like basketball. You know, the funny thing about hip-hop culture, right? We we, we could call it American culture. African-American culture, right? Mm. Everybody says, African-Americans, they have no culture, they have no culture, There's no identity, no identity, but... African American culture, hip hop culture, that kind of ghetto black American is the most popular, profitable culture in the world. Mm. Like when you go other places and and shit like that, they want to be black, but they want to be American black. They don't want to be like Africa black. They want to be like the the jeans, the chains. That's what they see on TV. That's the facade. That's the you wonder why some of these artists, you wonder why 50 Cent tour <laughs> right now if you wanted to, it's because the biggest consumers are overseas and they want to be African American, black.
1: Do you think there's a difference between African American and black culture?
0: African American and black culture. Black. What do you mean by black culture?
1: So, like I always say, um And maybe gets me in some trouble where I say Barack Obama's not the first black president. Mm -hmm. I'll say that Barack Obama's the first African-American president. Uh Because there's a big difference to me being black is a descendant of slavery. So there's 400 years of slavery uh, that Barack Obama's history was not a part of. Right. right? His dad
0: came from
1: Kenya. His mom is from Kansas and lived in
0: Hawaii. So it's just basically about what Obama represented, right? Because we could look at him and we could see our skin color, right? Right. Even if he was a little lighter, whatever the case may be. But when you look at him, you say, it's a black guy, right? He does not benefit from white privilege Yes. looking at him. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Whether his history will let him benefit from that is a different story. So I think it was more about what Barack Obama represented when you looked at him. He may not have done a lot for black people. He may not have spoken up a lot about black people, but he represented a black man. I think that's more so, like where I would put the argument. Where are you from? Brooklyn. What part of Brooklyn? I'm from downtown Brooklyn. My father's from Nigeria, and my mother's from uh, like North Carolina, or something like that. But she was born in the Bronx. Uh, do you know where in North Carolina? No, I have no idea. That's <laughs> like a like a cousin of
1: Virginia. Yeah, it's like I have. It's like no- it's like Crown Heights and Bed Stuy. Really? As, as far as like there being different cultures in both places, but the same culture. Okay. Ah, uh, there's like strong ties there. Yeah, what was it like growing up in downtown Brooklyn? Seems like a, like an interesting place to be from.
0: It's it's funny because I was just having this kind of conversation earlier today, and like I grew up like you know I had both parents. Um, they have they have a house. Back then, when they bought the house, they bought the house for thirty thousand dollars. Right, late eighties, they purchased their home, thirty thousand dollars on the block. A lot of the houses was going for that price. Um, about five six years ago. I had a neighbor sell for like 1.6. Brooklyn's a very different place now than it was. Very gentrified. It's a a lot of new people in there. Growing up in that, you know, I grew up, it was just like a hood. It was like the better part of the hood, though, I'll be honest with you. Four Green was like right there. So it was like, you know, I've seen, you know, people that grew up like less than, but We all were one and the same. We looked like each other. We dressed like each other. We hung out in the same parks. You know, we did all that. I went to all of the schools in the neighborhood, which was relatively good schools. And um, it wasn't until high school where I kind of drifted off and went to a place that, you know, still gives me trauma today. What was that place you went to? Oh, it was was Cobble Hill. It was just uh, a high school. They were threatening to shut it down for like every... For like the four years that I was there, it was just a really bad environment. And it's not until I became an adult that I realized that this was a bad environment. I had no idea, you know, getting up and going to school every day, you wasn't supposed to have fear. You wasn't supposed to see somebody get jumped or you wasn't supposed to be like fighting and defending yourself. And you shouldn't be trying to find the quickest way to go home. Like, And, you know, it wasn't until I became an adult when I realized, hey, you're supposed to go to parties and party. (laughs) yeah it's not supposed to be like a watch it back contest right who's gonna jump who and who's gonna get sliced today or who might die right this was our reality i feel like growing up in that kind of environment mind you this is a shift from where i'm from because the neighborhood is relatively okay and i'm in a neighborhood with people that are they have less than me as far as two parents is concerned As far as income is concerned, as far as lifestyle is concerned, you know, I I didn't grow up like most of my peers in that school. So for me, it was a culture shock, which followed me forever. Yeah, I had that same culture shock as well, going to
1: an all black school for like elementary and middle school and then going to a high school, I was all white. Even like the, uh, I was talking to my friends the other day about sneakers, like I'm traumatized by sneakers. Like the reason why I'm like obsessed with sneakers and like I have to have one a pair of sneaks that I feel comfortable in is because going to school, if you didn't have one of the right sneakers, you would get picked on. That was the difference between you having a good day and you having a bad day. What's yeah, yeah, you no, on?
0: like, and, and trust me, I was best dressed in, in high school. <laughs> you know, don't let me get the bragging in this motherfucker, but I was best dressed in high school. And even then, it was just, that was probably, what that was like my identity, you know what I mean? That's where the Chris Styles came from, right? That was just from being, you know, on top of the fashion, on top of the swag. And I used to rap, I used to like battle all the kids in the school. So they just, you know, looked at me like that, but I always took a liking to the hood to the gutter, to the underworld, to the people that was less than, yeah. B- including bef- myself. Before you
1: got into uh, podcasting, what was your life path and career path and what were you doing? I was
0: like hosting parties, you know, uh, Duce Palooza. I'm doing that with uh, a strong team right now. How- how'd you get into that world? Uh was just coming out of college, you know, I was, I pledged Cap Alpha Phi fraternity. Oh, you're a noob. Yes, sir. I'm not, but uh everyone mm. in my family is. Yeah, you got really you got <laughs> real excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got real excited. I, I I felt like um that was something you wanted to do at a point in time in your life. That was something I wanted to do at a point in time. I'll of, never my leave life. you neither. i be honest with you, it's not gonna leave you. Well, I think also too this, the, I like the, way the what Kappas represent. It's like, you know what, we could be smart and flat too. I only wanted to pledge for the network. I had a brother, like my brother. I grew up with my brother. We had a pretty good bond. I didn't like lack like friends. I didn't need a brotherhood. I just wanted the network. And um it opened up an enormous network for me to the point where I was making calls like, Hey, I'm gonna be in Morgan State um next week. Who's the popping cap out there? And I'd give me his number and I go out there and I just Throw parties, host parties. and but Where'd you uh, pledge at? What's cool? Sunio Westbury. Okay, so
1: where's that? Long Island. Long Island. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about Kaepernick right now? He's Kappa. Yo,
0: Cap is a, it just takes one of us, man. It just takes one of us to really make the sacrifice, you know, even when it comes to Cap, but like even like when you're thinking about uh, generational wealth, right? When you're thinking about breaking the cycle. Right, yeah, Like a family curse, like breaking that is going to just take a sacrifice of one or two, maybe generations. Right, That's not going to say I'm going to spend all my money within my lifetime, that I'm going to pass something on, that I'm going to buy some life insurance, that I'm going to leave some property, leave some equity, that I'm going to put something in someone else's name, that I'm not going to live to the fullest of life as far as. Money is concerned so that I leave something off for the next person and they could use that to further their education they could further their knowledge their business acumen or you know things like that so it's real important that somebody is willing to make the sacrifice and I think that's what cap did by him being a cappa as well it has to be special too Cappa was very traumatizing for me as well damn, I sound like a trauma victim. <laughs> Capital <laughs> was very traumatized for me as well. You could imagine the things that it takes to enter paternity. And, um, you know, I, I held on to a lot of that resentment, which I was recently able to let go of. I feel the brotherhood of just like, yeah, 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 shout out Newt, this, that, and the third. But unless you're in it and immersed in it all the time, you don't really feel it as much. You know, it's just kind of something that's in my blood now that I got to wear so you you're on this path of hosting but did you know that you want to get
1: into entertainment
0: no I was actually just doing the parties I started my own PR company which I used to actually get credits for my major I was a media communications major the biggest like bullshit degree that a person could probably get I got the communications degree and I realized I couldn't get a fucking job to save my life it's like why am I doing this why am I like this this is, this makes no sense I got it. A substitute teaching gig and I was just teaching and I got a counseling position. So now I'm like counseling you for that I'm doing right now. I've been doing that for five years. I just couldn't understand how to get into the game. It's like, you got to know somebody or you need a ton of experience. And I'm coming out of college. College just tricked the shit out of me, right? I'm doing the PR thing. I'm going up and down, but I didn't want to just be the, the guy that was just shimmying on women and Dancing in parties, like I wanted more. And I had my DJ one day and he had the microphone and I'm just like, yo, let me try that. Like I want to do something real. People was responding. I'm just like, wow, wow. You know, the fact that somebody could be having the worst day of their life and they come into my event and they just listen to my voice and I could just look at their face and just see the big smile. It don't matter what was going on in life. It's like at that moment, you know, you have that kind of control and I fell in love with that. And I just never stopped, you know, When everybody else kind of drifted off and did something else. I just never quit. So I had a friend, which was actually a bro, that threw a little party called Henny Palooza. He knew I was hosting this stuff. We had built a relationship. And um, he said, yeah, just come by one day and see what we could do.
1: And, and how did that kind of, at, at that point you knew, okay, I'm going to be doing the hosting thing. Like, I like entertaining people. I like being on a microphone or like having control of an audience.
0: Yeah, I knew I was gonna do it, but I also found like a home doing it. Right, it wasn't like this thing on a whim. It wasn't like a, oh shit, we book Chris Styles. Like I was tired of that. You know, people, how are you indecisive about me? I'm the greatest person to touch this microphone, right? Even this, like I'm fucking this interview up right now, right? You don't even gotta work hard, you know. People, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know how interviewing is, right? I've been in that position. Of course, with Trapping traveling anonymous. So for me, it was like, I knew I was the greatest, but I just needed everybody to know that I was the greatest. And sometimes that could be the most frustrating part. You just got to be patient and wait your turn. And that's what I did. You know, um, I waited my turn. You strike me as a very powerful person. Like you're like, it's a, it's a controlled power. Where does that power come from within you? I'm African. African like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. does <laughs> <laughs> the sense of power? Oh, man. Um, do you feel that within yourself? Yeah. Until you said it, you know, I never looked at myself like a power trip.
1: No, 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 not power trip. I know. Controlled power. Okay, elaborate. Uh, control power means that you walk into a room and you command presence. You command
0: mm. confidence. You command... Okay, so yeah, so when we are talking about gifts, right? I always thought gifts was like this tangible thing. It's either you dribble a basketball, or either you you could sing, or you could dance, or you could rap, or you, you know, you could play sports, you're athletic. I always looked at that to be gifts, right? I never knew that and anybody couldn't walk into a room, and by the time I leave, they're like, who the fuck was that kid? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I've always had that, and it wasn't until I realized, okay, whoa, well, people don't know how to have conversations. People don't know how to really interact, and they're losing this sense of interaction, right? You look at uh Social media, right? You look at Instagram and Twitter and you got dating apps, right? They do everything for you. You don't even have to have a conversation. I could literally scroll your timeline and get a pretty good gauge of who the fuck you are and what you do and how you go about doing it. Well, I get to see what you want me to see, right? And that'll probably be what I would get out of a conversation with you anyway because you'll be telling me all the good shit. Instagram, this highlight reel of your life, right?
1: Human, Human highlight reel. Yeah,
0: and you're just watching the top 10 plays all the time, not the not top 10 plays, right? When I realized that I could control people with this, right? Because people want to be around me. they like my energy. I have a good, good energy, right? How do we monetize this? I love talking to people. I love hanging out. I love partying. How do we live off of doing something that I love? That's where you find passion. What is passion? Passion is this thing. What would you do for free? Right, nobody will pay you to do it, and you'll do it any chance that you get. For me, that's what hosting was.
1: Do you think there's a difference between being paid to do what you love versus being paid to be you? Right, like I love basketball, of course, and I love sports, but I think the gift is to be paid just being yourself. Like you walking into a room has value.
0: Yes, it has a lot of value, and that's why I've always looked at uh, the Kim K's of the world and been like. No, she's talentless. She doesn't do anything. She gets paid to get up, wash her hair, take a shower, get dressed, go to the store, come home. Shit that everyone has to do. She's getting paid to do that. That's a gift. Whether you like it or not, right? That's a gift. Um, Whether she loves to do it or not, I don't know. That's... but. To get paid to be you is an amazing thing, right? I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to put the mask on. I could literally just be kicking it and people just love it. You know what I mean? And it's not to sound cocky or conceited. I just know who I am as far as what my gift is to this world.
1: So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get into your show, Travel Anonymous. All right. And we're back. What's up? (laughs) Chris, man. Okay, so I first got put on to the show, a good friend of mine, Eric Eddings, who I had on OPP. He's the host of a show called The Nod, which is a podcast about Black culture in America. And I asked everyone at the end of the show, what are your podcaster's picks? And he was like, yo, I When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. I love this show, Trappin' Anonymous. And he explained it to me. And I was like, yo, I've got to tune into this. Uh, and that's how I heard. So shout out to Eric Eddings. That's how I, I shout out to Eric, am familiar Thank with you. you. So when I first heard the, the concept of the show, I was like, okay, my expectation of it was going to be, this is going to be a ratchet fun, But when I listened to it, dude, you're a very talented journalist. Like here, we're sitting here with no notes, right? I don't want to do the notes thing for interviews because my background is music and I approach everything as a rapper. Right. I approach everything as in flow and in conversation and what feels yeah. natural. And I'll stop you here. Let's talk about that. And I hate when I'm interviewing someone, uh, oh, no, when I hear an interview and that conversation was going to go somewhere and, and the like, person ah. didn't ask the question.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, but you, you should have questioned your head. Like, if right, I was like, you, I would have. Right. I would
1: have gone there. And you do a really good job of that person's going on a conversation. You ask that question. Yeah. So
0: I love your style of journalism. Thank you. Um, where does that come from? Like, What, what inspired you? you we, what we have to understand is like when you're walking in your path, right? Like, and you know, I hate to get super deep, but like I love traveling Anonymous, right? But m- more so like this is stuff that I want to know. I'm not just doing it because it's going to make me cool, make me popular. I'm doing it because I'm genuinely interested in it. So when you're when you have a genuine interest with in something, you're going to actually do the work. You're going to actually ask those questions. I'm not going to just sit here and read off of a script. I'm going to be like, "No, I really want to know." Right? And this is what I told like even when I went to title to even pitch my show I said, listen, if y'all got if y'all work with me or not, right, I'll be 50 years old doing traveling anonymous, right? Because it's my life's work. This is just my life's work. It's a collection of things that I want to know and something that I want to do. It's my contribution. I was doing traveling anonymous for two years. I didn't get a dime. It just cost me money, but it I gained fulfillment, right? I gained knowledge. I that's where those questions come from. It's a genuine interest. I really want to know. First of all, how did you first discover podcasting in general? Uh, tax. I used to watch... I, I used to be on Twitter a lot. Tax and, Yeah. Okay. And, and Tax had started a podcast. I'm like, wow, this is super dope. What is this thing? And I'm he, would just, he just blew podcasting out of the water for the culture, right? And I was just like, wow, I want to do something like that. I don't want it to be that. I want to do something like that. And uh, at the time everybody had kind of like the similar current events. So let's talk about sex. Let's talk about, you know, it was just so tired to me, but I've always been a creative, right? So I like to always create shit. Um. So for me to come up with it, I I, I knew that I, I didn't want to be a slave to the consumer. I did not want to put out an episode every week. I didn't want to feel obligated to the person that's listening I want to put out the quality, not the quantity. That's why in two years you get 27 episodes and you're just like, where the fuck are the new episodes? Like, yeah, I get all these emails and crazy hit ups. Like, <laughs> well, you're becoming lazy and this, standing there. And it's like, nah, man, like I got episodes in the chamber. It just wasn't it. I, I wait for the right moments. I wait, I wait for it to be it, you know? And if it's not it, I don't put it out. Uh, what is it? That feeling. That I get after a good interview, the feeling that you get after a good interview. Some interviews you've ended and you were just like, oh, that was crap. <laughs> yes. Right? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Of course. It happens. And there's some interviews you leave and you're like, wow.
1: Like it's like just leaving the gym. I,
0: and I wait for those moments.
1: So where did the concept and the idea come for? for I was always show?
0: interested in the underworld. Remember, I'm from Brooklyn. So the scammers was a call away. It's, you know, I was like, hey, yo, bro, come to my crib. Let's record something. I was in Colombia. I was getting a massage, and it was the only time the country? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate explaining the story because it just sounds like a douche. No, know? no, not at all. I mean, if, if you're talking about the underworld, then you're like, you know, so I was in Colombia getting a massage. Yeah, not university. <laughs> so I'm in there, I'm getting a massage. It was the only time my mind was like clear. It was the only time that I had the opportunity to think. We're always doing something. We're on our phones. We're podcasting. We're at parties. We're having sex. We're on we're at work, right? You always your mind is always doing something. I didn't even have service out there, right? I didn't give a shit. I was just laying down, you know, getting my back rub, but my mind was completely clear. I remember the moment Trapping Anonymous entered my head, right? And it was at a moment where I had nothing to do. It was the most amazing thing. It was peace. I had the opportunity to think. I've always been interested in the underworld. I've always been interested in scamming and people making it to the top in deceitful ways. I said, I want to start my own podcast. I want to interview scammers. I want to do it anonymously. I can't snitch on them. I'm going to call it trapping anonymously. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. I'm going to call it trapping anonymous. And I just automatically knew. Wow.
1: And so who's the first person you reached out to to do this? I got
0: home. I was like, I have no idea how to even start a podcast. I YouTubed it. I went to Guitar Center. I said, just give me everything that I need for a podcast. I bought it. I went home. I called my friend up and I was just like, yo, I'm going to distort your voice. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Wow. Uh, And what was that first episode? The OG it was just about scamming. So originally, Travel Anonymous was supposed to just be four episodes about scammers. I only wanted to do four. It was a limited podcast. I was jumping into the podcast world for the first time. I'm only doing four episodes and I'm fucking done because I thought it was going to fail. But I was quick to fail. I love failing, right? Yeah. Because I learned quicker. You like the say, huh? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I can't, can't front <laughs> in. I did the first episode. I distorted the voice. I figured, you know, if you listen to it, the first episode was like really janky. Like it's a lot of like errors, <laughs> but you know, it was just so rich in content.
1: Uh, when did you first realize you were going to get, um, that it was getting traction?
0: I came home and I checked the SoundCloud account and it had like 10,000 plays. Did you promote it to any of your friends or? Twitter. But you got to also remember, I'm doing Doucet Palooza. I'm I'm with heavyweights, dog. I'm with people that shift the culture. And, you know, we all support each other. They like to call us the Avengers because everybody does something. And when we come together, it's amazing. So I have a team of people that help push me and I push them.
1: Uh, How do you make your guests feel comfortable to talk about something that's Obviously, most people would never feel comfortable talking about on, on record. Integrity. Like, how how do you establish that integrity?
0: You just gotta be real. You can feel people, man. You know. But it's just a certain level of, you know, when someone's bullshitting you, man. You know when somebody's just trying to talk shit about you, or you know when somebody's lying to you, man. I think it's a human thing, right? And I'm like, yeah, let's sign some NDAs, and they be like, nah, let's just let's just do it, man. Like, I trust you, you know. And I think that's what it's about, man. Just not trying to be a fucked up individual, right? And do good work. Do good, period. When you do good in life, good things happen, and people get that energy from you.
1: You know, I'm not gonna lie, man. This sounds like a maybe it's the the du uh, <laughs> coming out. But when I was uh, at the crib listening to some of the interviews today. It it feels like a, I know this. I say, I say say this as a compliment, like Hood Oprah. <laughs>
0: in,
1: in terms I've of in, in terms of the interviews, don't seem uh, there's a lot of compassion in these interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're funny in mm-hmm. these nah, interviews. yeah,
0: no, I'm a, I'm entertaining,
1: but it's definitely a lot of compassion. I, um, there was the conversation that I saw uh, uh, Rape Anonymous. Yeah, that's a very powerful stuff. Episode. Episode. Are you doing these interviews also in person?
0: Yeah.
1: Um. That's. I was like wondering. It's all in person. It it seems very. Who? Like when she was explaining uh, her situation, as far as you know, with you asked her out the gate, what is rape to you? Yeah. That was the first question.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was like, I think that maybe the first episode I listened to in a long time. So that was just a very powerful question. Like these, I was very impressed by your journalism style. Thank you. <laughs> like, I'm, a, I'm just an overall uh, big fan. Like, what have you learned from your guests and that learned from is, this experience? Raped
0: Anonymous is what got me to do the title. When I walked into that office, it was just like Raped Anonymous was like,
1: whoa. Very powerful episode.
0: It's like so blown, blown away. You know, It wasn't even like the highest rated one, it wasn't even like the episode with the most views, comments. It was not even none of that. It's
1: You're like, walking a fine line also of being a man. Yeah. Talking to a woman
0: yeah.
1: about rape. yeah, And to be in that position and to handle that interview the way that you did was incredible. And I didn't realize maybe until I got into interviewing, mm-hmm. the art of interviewing and the art of compassion and the art of telling the joke and the art of timing.
0: It's not something I like went to school for, right? I mean, I had broadcast journalism and stuff like that. I never did an interview before you know i never i never went i never studied it i never said oh, okay let let me see let me study the art of interviewing i didn't do any of that and that's another thing about a gift right it's like what comes easy to you and difficult to other people like i'm sure michael jordan worked really hard right but you just know that a part of the game was just natural something you couldn't find in a gym you couldn't take a thousand jump shots and get a part of his game. A part of it had to be natural, and I think that that's what this is. This is me having a conversation. If no mics was on, this is how I would speak to her. Uh,
1: how do you prepare for these interviews? Do you have questions in front of you? Because it doesn't feel like you do at all.
0: Um, I have points. I have points. So whenever I feel like the conversation needs to be revamped, or I need to find another, I'll just look at a point. I I don't sit there and be like, all right. Let me ask you this: It's a convo, and that's all I wanted. Traveling on was to be a conversation. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want it to be like a bunch of bill of points of the do's and the do nots. I just wanted it to be an experience.
1: Um, on a on a deeper level, what have you learned from doing the show about people, about society, about race, about economics?
0: Everybody has a story. Everybody wants to tell their story. Now, if this story could benefit two hundred thousand people. Oh wow, I'm, I'm on board. If your story could benefit one person, wow, I'm on board. It's the reason why people talk about themselves. And I realized trapping Anonymous was therapy, very therapeutic. It's not one person that I interviewed that didn't hit me up the next day like, wow, what was that? And I'm like, yeah, that's the power, the power of conversation, the power of getting something off your chest. The power of speaking on something you've never spoke about so candidly. Mm. And sometimes it's not even candid. Sometimes it's just like exposing myself to the world. People in Zimbabwe listening, to trapping Anonymous, right? Check the analytics and you're affecting lives. But just to get it off your chest, it's magic.
1: So now we're going to move to the part of the show called our podcasters picks where we ask... Today's subject. Today is Chris Styles. Yes, sir. Uh, what are three podcasts that you enjoy that we should be listening to? I'm uh, a true fan of.
0: Shout out to the Joe Button podcast. Four, he's my guy. I love Joe. He, he, he looks out all the time. Mo is my guy. I watch like the interviews. I like when they do the, the reviews of like the music. And um, I'm just a natural supporter of whatever my people are doing. So like I check it out and I support it. And I think it's. Pretty entertaining when they go into like the album reviews and <laughs> they do all that. I mean, they they have a chemistry, man.
1: And then tell me about Tax Tone.
0: Tax is a Brooklyn night. Uh, he was like a, a social media personality. I feel like he he was just so entertaining online, and he was able to translate that into podcasting his lifestyle, who he was, and you don't feel like he is holding back one bit. It was just this raw sense of where I'm from. And I just love the way it translated in podcasts. Lastly,
1: Dyles, why do you podcast?
0: I podcast to change the world. I think Trappin' Anonymous, when this is all said and done, 20 years from now, you're going to want to know how somebody was credit card scamming. 20 years from now, you're going to want to know how women were prostituting. 20 years from now, you want to know how some people contracted HIV. I want to be timeless, man. That's why the work that I do, that's why the things that I put out is just timeless. It don't have no age. It, It doesn't expire, right? It's timeless material. Trapping Anonymous is just... It's my life's work, like I said before. So why do I podcast? I do it because... It helps people. It changes people. And I just have a raw passion.
1: Chris Styles, I appreciate you, man.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it, man. Chris <laughs> Styles on Twitter, Chris Styles on IG, TrappingAnonymous.com. Shout out to Title. You know, I'm in the building.
1: Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP and to our special guest, Chris Styles host of Trappin' Anonymous. You can find the links to Trappin' Anonymous in the description of this episode. This episode was produced by Danielle Hogarty. Audio is mixed by Mark Bird and music provided to you by Richie Quake. Also, be sure to check out my other show, Silent Giants, a show that highlights the superstars behind the scenes of popular culture. I have the link provided for you as well in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off. Till next time.